All right, Theo, you're going to read this quote. Okay. And now here is my secret, a very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Is that touching? That's pretty touching. When you made your little tonal change in the middle, it, it became touching. <laughs> it went from nasty and rude to touching. Really? Yeah. Theo, where did we leave off last time? No, introduce the episode, Jackie. Me? Yeah. Really? Yeah, go ahead. You want it more than anyone. Theo, you shut up. You you shut up. (laughs) What? No, that's just a funny bit now. Hi, everyone. Welcome Welcome to Fire the Cannon. Fire the Cannon. I'm Jackie, and I quit. No, go ahead. ahead. I'm Jackie. I'm one of your hosts. And this week, what we're doing is talking with Rachel, our other host, about her favorite book, The Little Prince, by Antoine de Saint- and we also have this other guy here. He's not important. What we're going to be doing is finishing up The Little Prince. We started it last week. We talked about um, the writer's life. We talked about the dedication. And we talked about the first chapter. And then we stopped because we were tired. Hey, everybody. This is Theo just jumping in during the edit. At this point, Jackie started talking about her cat for a while. And obviously, that didn't make the cut. But then she did tell this funny story about volunteering at PetSmart. So we're going to skip right there. Today, when I was at the PetSmart taking care of the kitties in there, it's always kind of awkward because when people walk by, I have to kind of judge whether I should like ask them to come in and meet the cats or if they're just like looking. So if they're like adults and they're looking for like longer than a few seconds, I'll come out and I'll say, do you want to meet anyone? Sometimes they'll say yes. But this time there were these adults walking around outside looking at the cats. I could hear the guy saying, we're not getting a cat. No, we ain't getting a cat. And then the woman, like, wanted to come and see them. And I was like, I'm going to pretend not to see you because I just heard your guy say you're not getting a cat. And he seems aggro. And I don't want these cats to go with you. Hmm. Did they get a cat? No. Because I ignored them. (laughs) I'm the keeper of the cats. Wow. Really? Yeah, when it's me between the cats and the public, they're not getting past me so easy. So you're part of the problem. (laughs) People always complain about how hard it is to adopt animals. No, I'm kidding. Wait, I feel like I missed... Say where you were again? PetSmart? (laughs) Why do you have any control over the the cats at PetSmart? Because they belong to the rescue place that I volunteer with. Have you been to a PetSmart, Theo? No, but... There's a whole section in the back with adoptable cats, like shelter cats. And Jackie is allowed to prevent people from adopting them. Yeah. No, I mean, like, (laughs) I don't have a say. Like, they have to fill out an application either way. But if they're, like, banging on the screen, on the glass. She can choose not to give them an application. (laughs) I mean, they can just go online and find it. But if they're banging on the glass or, like, being weird, then I'm just, I'm not going to invite them in to meet the cats. You know what I mean? Only truly normal people own cats. Weirdos (laughs) never have them. (laughs) They do. They bang on the glass or sometimes they'll like come and like bring their dogs and let their dogs scare the cats on purpose because they think it's funny. Really? What I wanted to do was be like an adoption host, you know, where like you'd go in before COVID and they'd have like a playpen of cats or something and Mm -hmm. like kittens and you could like pass them out and like talk about them. But at COVID, they don't do that anymore. So I just have to like stay in the back behind the locked door and clean things. Just poke your head out and say, you looking for a cat? 
Yeah, and I did that today, and one of the cats escaped and ran into Jackie. something. And I like, yeah, I had to ran into it. something. That was your job. Um, I know. Ran inside or like hit something. I don't know. There was like a piece of furniture like nearby because the cat section is right near the fish section, which I feel like is poor planning. So the cat like ran right towards the fish and then like got behind this furniture. And I was like, I'm not fucking around with this because if this cat like gets any further away right than it is right now, I am done. (laughs) So I like had to catch it. So I like grabbed it by its little scruff. You're done as in they were. You're done in what way? Like, I'm sure they would not allow me back if this cat, like, escaped the store or something. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to get right. this thing back if I don't get it immediately. Do they keep good records of all the cats that are there? Fudge the numbers. Yeah, yeah I could have, like, cleaned out its cage completely, taken the little piece of paper off the front and just been like, what cat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were only three. <laughs> or you could have paid the adoption fee and been like, oh, got adopted. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Letty may has gone. <laughs> <laughs> I had pet mice, you know. You did? Did I tell you what happened to them? Uh-oh. No, but the way you just chuckled makes me think I don't want to know. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Pretty psycho. <laughs> Why are you smiling like that? It's, it's pretty bad. so horrifying <laughs> what happened to them. Did uh, Antoine's boa constrictor come and get them? They cannibalized each other. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. All of them? Did it to each other? It was two. I had two. What? So one of them, I don't know how they freaking <laughs> did it, but I went in one day to like give them some food and clean the cage out. And like the bottom half of one's rib cage was there and then just like the head of the other one. And that's it. How do you know they weren't part of the same one? How could the head have gotten detached? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? If it was just one mouse, how did the hits, how did its head come off? Oh, uh, wait, what? Is it wait? Wait, so what Theo was saying is maybe <laughs> wait, one mouse completely disappeared and the other one just got split in disassembled itself, yeah. Yeah, the, I bet the one mouse the was other like one go, Oh Theo? my god, what have I done? I need to leave and yeah. ran away. Oh, okay, so like it it escaped or something. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that happened to my hermit crabs. Did I ever tell you that? No. It was the same. I had two hermit crabs. They were named Aragorn and Arathorn. Wait, what if this is a really common thing and it's happened to all three of us? <laughs> yeah. Wait till I tell you about my children. Yeah, I had two hermit crabs and I was in middle school and they were always more active at night. Like they were they were nocturnal. But this one night I was trying to sleep and they were just being really loud and there was like all this scuttling and I was like, huh. They're being particularly active. And when oh I woke gosh. up in the morning, they had both torn each other to shreds. And they were just legs. But did they did they eat each other? <laughs> I don't know if they ate each other. I'm they... so confused about the mice <laughs> eating each other. Because where did they go? Because <laughs> when you eat something, it goes inside you. And if they both ate each other... I mean, I screamed when I went up there. I was pretty young. I was in like early middle school. When I went up to see it, I screamed and my mom or dad was like, what is it? I'm like, they ate each other. And then I like ran away and my parents dealt with it. So I don't know if there was more carnage. I had another mouse once and it just got out. That's it. It lived in the house, I guess. They ate each other. So the problem is these mice that I kept getting as pets were not like pet mice like they hadn't been socialized to be pets you don't say Uh, one mouse i think someone like gave me a mouse that they're they like used in a science class and they were like oh you like mice here you go (laughs) here's an extra (laughs) okay wow do you wish you had just kept the one (laughs) i should have been getting rats because they're way better pets but i don't like the tail of a rat because it's totally naked and a mouse its tail has a little fur on it Mm. Hmm. 
You could have given it a little tail coat, maybe. But yeah, no, my parents didn't deal with my hermit crabs. I remember having to pick up their pieces with a tweezer and like put them in a little bag, and then I buried that bag in the backyard. <laughs> but I didn't know which was which, so they had to be in the same bag. Sorry, guys. Uh, look, that's not as bad. Like, <laughs> I would be more likely to make a kid clean up a hermit crab battle than like a mouse when there were like guts and blood all over the place. Can we call this episode a hermit crab battle? <laughs> we're you... going to have to seriously put a content warning if we leave this stuff in. But how do you? He's not leaving it. If you're, he's leaving it. In. I don't understand how. Like I, I'm, I'm very confused about. Look, if two I was eating each other, if I'm I was also, there to watch it happen, I, I, it wouldn't have happened. So there's no way that I could ever know. <laughs> no, when I've been baffled my whole life about how these two things tore each other apart. Because at one point, one of them tore the other one apart, and then that one couldn't have done anything else to the second one. So what happened to the second one? It must have just been exactly simultaneous. He was just like, well, there's nothing else to tear apart and just tore himself apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> so... Poor Aragorn and Arathorn. The lineage ended right there. I guess this is why we have three people on this podcast to make sure none of us tear each other apart. Because I would stop you guys if you were tearing each other apart. Just because it would be so confusing to you if you didn't. You'd be like, why is Jackie's head over here and Rachel's ribcage is over there? Right. (laughs) Man. Wow, what a a start to the pod. Okay, uh, I'm Rachel, by the way, the third person who hasn't been introduced is theo he's the one jackie said you don't need to worry about i'm the producer <laughs> and you do need to worry about me Ooh, <laughs> why what have you gotten into this time i don't know it's just kind of a threat well i can tell you about my plane ride <laughs> okay it's not that good of a story bad things keep happening to you every time you're around people <laughs> and moving from one every place time to you're another. around people <laughs> nothing bad happened to me it wasn't that uh, interesting of a plane ride, but the guy beside me was reading an NRA magazine the whole time. It's just so funny to me thinking like... He he can't have it on the plane, so he just misses it. Yeah, he carries his gun around all the time and he can't have it, so he's just like, at least I can read about them and look at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> the articles were really poorly written, just saying. You were reading it over his shoulder? Yeah. What if he got mad and shot you? He couldn't. With what? With a magazine, Rachel? Mm-hmm. That's a gun yeah, joke. Yeah. You sound upset that you just made a gun joke. Well, I, you know. It's Are you upset like that we didn't immediately laugh at it? I had water in my mouth and we established there can't be any dribbling. Mm. It's not the NBA. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty good, actually. It's the WNBA. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't dribble, we carry. We put it under our shirts and we waddle over the head. We're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let the pregnant woman through. Let her through. Yeah. <laughs> it's the loophole. <laughs> water broke get her over to the end of the court (laughs) that would honestly be a hilarious way to play basketball i would watch that for sure a way every person not like a hilarious trick that someone does one time like that's just the way they play they constantly trick each other they're constantly having to shove it under their shirts and like they're struggling with it and then someone else has to bash it out of the shirt Mm. like that would be so funny i would love that oh tell us wait is that it just the thing about the NRA? <laughs> or was there more? The NRA. Uh, oh, there was one other thing. Let me see if I can... Oh, right. <laughs> one of the flight attendants... Well, I was sitting next to this big family of, with lots of children. I think it was like five kids, and they were all being really loud. So the, and the flight attendant, she was giving those people extra attention because I guess she likes kids or something. So she was all like, "Weird. make sure you know your emergency exits because you have children and all this stuff. I've never seen any flight attendant do that. <laughs> I don't know. But then... Like that would freak me out. <laughs> but then she came up and she was like, the guy who's sitting next to me, she said, 
What was the first car you owned? She trying to get into his Facebook account. Or yeah, I was wondering, like, <laughs> is, is she a robot? And she like, <laughs> wants to confirm his identity. He told her, and she was like, "Ah, oh, man." And she, th- but then she turned to someone else who she hadn't talked to yet, and she said, "What's the first car you own?" And they told her, and she was like, "Ah, oh, no, not a Toyota." And then she eventually said, "I'm trying to find someone else who had the same first car as me." I, I was just thinking. Like, why is she doing this? And she kept asking more people and they would all tell her. And I was just thinking, why are you indulging her? Like, this is a really kind of obnoxious thing to be doing. What is going on? Yeah. And then at the end, someone was like, what car was it? And she said, a 1969 (laughs) Ford Mustang. What are the chances that was one of these people's first car? (laughs) That's the answer you wanted. How would that have changed your life in any way? I mean, you'd have to be like 80 years old. It might be she's just so tired of being a flight attendant. She's like, I just need any little game to liven up the experience. I just need to think about some mode of transportation that's not a goddamn plane. (laughs) I mean, I can understand doing things not to be bored, but choose a better thing to do. Yeah. That's one of the worst. <laughs> Maybe she already did all the better things so much that she's bored by them. I bet she hasn't done what's your favorite color. Was it my favorite color in 1969? My first favorite color. <laughs> yeah. no. It was so weird. <laughs> so did someone ask and then just say, yeah, that was my first car? Yeah, someone asked her and then she said it. And then I think they were like, oh yeah, cool car. That's a collectible now. And then the flight attendant was like, oh, maybe. I don't know. I totaled mine. And then she walked away. (laughs) That's what happened. I don't know. I wreck everything I get near. (laughs) Coke or Sprite? Yeah. Yeah, You remember where the emergency exit is? (laughs) (laughs) I, um, speaking of planes. Yep. Speaking of planes. Time to talk about the littlest prince Mm -hmm. that I've ever known. So I'm going to say a bit of a hot take which is that while I love the book, I really don't like the actual Little Prince that much. The character? Well, yeah, not that into him. Or at least I don't think the narrator should be as into him as he is. Wait, but do you like the narrator? Yeah, I like him. He's not really got any characteristics. When we last left the audience, we had only discussed part one, chapter one, (laughs) The Little Prince. But we also talked a lot about the writer's life Mm -hmm. and how obsessed he was with flying planes. Mm -hmm. And crashing them. He died doing what he loved. (laughs) Crashing planes, yeah. (laughs) If you want to learn a little bit more about the guy himself, Ole Antoine, you should listen to our episode one. It's full of interesting facts. Okay, Mm -hmm. now on to chapter two, because ideally we'll finish the whole book this time. At the end of chapter one, all we talked about was how when the narrator was a little boy, he used to draw these pictures and it was of a boa constrictor that had eaten an elephant and everyone was always like, that's a hat. And he didn't like it. Uh-huh. That's how far we've he gotten. people who don't have any imagination. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So in chapter two, he's basically like, I never had any friends until one day I crashed my plane in the desert and I was trying to fix the plane and not die. And all of a sudden... A little guy appeared. Seriously, that's what he says, basically. Now, I didn't really ever get a sense of how big the little prince was. Pretty little, I would say. Because he talks about holding him in his arms. So he's like the size of a child? I guess. Because if he was smaller, you could hold him in your hand. But he's a little child size, but he's not a child. He's kind of a child. He's not an adult. Okay. He's like maybe he's a tween. like an elf. He's Maybe he's a child for a long time, or he like doesn't become not a child, but he does age. Mm. Okay, so I'm imagining something that comes up to about knee height on a man. Really? A man of average stature. I was expecting more like waist height. Yeah. Theo, weigh in. I was thinking belly button height. Okay. Okay. All right, we got the full gamut. 
Okay, so the little prince, he's introduced because he tells the guy, he's like, draw me a sheep. And the guy's like, a what? And he says, yeah, just draw me a sheep, okay? I need one. And the guy's like, I'm trying to fix my plane. Yeah, like, I don't want to die. And the guy's like, okay, but come on, sheep, please. Sheep me. And the guy's <laughs> like, uh, I'm really not good at drawing. Okay, well, still give me a sheep. So it goes back and forth a little bit. And finally, he draws him the elephant boa constrictor. And the prince is like, Ugh, why did you give me an elephant with a boa constrictor? I'm talking sheep. Oh. <laughs> so finally, the narrator is intrigued. He finally found someone who understood it wasn't a hat. Right. So he makes a few different sheep drawings and the little prince criticizes every single one. Finally, the guy just draws a picture of, you know, a rectangular prism with some holes in the side. And he's like, it's a box. There's a sheep inside. And the little prince says, oh, my gosh, you're right. It's the perfect sheep. I can see him in there. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And now he can't get out. So he kind of explains a little bit. He says, like, oh, I live in a place where things are very small. So he, he doles out information like that in little drips throughout the rest of the book, according to the narrator. But the narrator also says that whenever he asks him a question about himself, the little prince never answers it yeah just kind of ignores it right yeah Mm -hmm. but he asks a lot of questions himself right as soon as he thinks of something he wants an answer to he just never stops asking Mm -hmm. which now you can see why i'm a little bit annoyed (laughs) yeah i did think that was a bad character trait to be really rude well i feel like that's childlike right well he seems to me that's more than a child will do kids frequently answer questions if you ask them they like to talk about themselves hmm You don't think so? I feel like I've never had any luck with that. I feel like if I ask a kid a question, they might answer a different question. Hmm. They try, at least. They don't just ignore you. (laughs) Wait, I forgot. There's something so funny. I may have sent this to Jackie on Twitter. There's a quote from, there's this uh, basketball, like an NBA player. I think think his name was Moses Moody. And there was a, a little quote from him at an interview where he says, like, I won an NBA championship, and now I want to win an all-star championship. You know how it is. If you give a pig a pancake, he's going to want some syrup to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's true of pigs. I mean, if you give me a pancake, I'm going to want some syrup to go with it. Yeah, but a pig has no idea that syrup even goes on a pancake. A pig will just eat the pancake. (laughs) Oh, look at Mr. Pig Expert over here. Do you guys know what he's referencing? Yeah, if you give a mouse a cookie. Well, they made a whole spinoff from if you give a mouse a cookie. They did if you give a moose a Mm -hmm. muffin and if you give a pig a pancake. And for some reason, Stephen always points this out. The first one wasn't alliterative, but all the other ones were for some reason. So it's just so funny to me that he's like, what's a cultural touchstone that everyone will get? That means if you give someone (laughs) one thing, they always want more. Not give me an inch and I'll take a mile. No, no, no. Not if you give a mouse a cookie. If you give a pig a pancake, like a no. tertiary spinoff. I'm skipping right over that yeah. damn moose, too, going right to pig. Wow. Well, what did that have to do with the little prince? <laughs> because you said something in a similar cadence to if you give a pig a mm. pancake, and it just made me think of it. <laughs> well, maybe we can stick that in with my WNBA idea. That was wonderful. Yeah, but I just think that it's so funny to think of a professional sportsman saying, like, you know how it is when you give a pig a pancake. (laughs) Yeah, NBA players, pigs, basketballs, pancakes. They're very similar. (laughs) Oh, I guess, well, okay, I don't, that wasn't a perfect thing either because I just made it sound like a basketball player wins a basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I want a basketball now. I want a pancake. The championship is the pancake. The all-star championship is the syrup. Basketball. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> what if every time you won a sports tournament, they just the trophy they gave you was just like the ball? You just get to keep the ball. It, but it would just be a different ball. Just be like, well, here's a basketball. You finally got your own. They cut it into pieces so every member of the team gets a little square. Oh, that's cute. That'd be so cute. Yeah. And then they can like reform it when they're together and something cool happens. <gasps> Ooh, like a yeah. Captain Planety. Like Megazord. Yes. Megazord. He's a cute little prince. Yeah, what are you looking at? What am I looking at? I'm looking at the PDF. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I gotta say, if if this is the right one, these sheep drawings do look pretty good, actually. For a guy who can't draw. I like I would have been satisfied with that if I were a prince. Yeah. I couldn't draw that well. The little prince would be furious with me. Yeah. He would bite my carotid artery, like rip it out and drink my blood or whatever he does if you can't give him a sheep. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that comes later. I have something I want to say, but I want to wait longer. So let's keep going. Okay. So anyway, so the little prince is like, what's that about the airplane? And the narrator's like, come on, dude, it's an airplane. And then he's like, oh, that's so cool. We both come from the sky then. What's your planet? And the narrator says, well, that's how I learned that he came from a totally different planet. <laughs> he let that slip. Yeah. Whoops. Slip of the yeah. tongue. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so he asks the little prince, so where, where do you come from? Where are you taking that sheep? And the prince, of course, totally ignores him and just talks about the sheep a little bit more and the guy's like well here you know answer my questions and i'll give you i'll draw a picture of a steak and then you can tie him up at night so you don't lose him the little prince laughs and laughs at this idea because he says like you know if he walks straight ahead he'll just end up right back where he started from in a minute or so because everything is so small and the guy's like aha so he's from a very tiny little planet mm -hmm. he tells us the planet was only a little bit bigger than a house and that he suspects it was asteroid B612. And then we get this little digression about how a Turkish astronomer discovered it. But when he made his presentation the first time, he was wearing like traditional Turkish attire and nobody paid attention to him. And then the next time that he reported it, he was wearing European clothes. And then everyone was like, wow, what a great discovery. So we get a little aside into racism. A little wokeness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is he blaming that on them being adults? Uh, he doesn't. I think it's more about racism. I don't know if he... He does say grown-ups are like that. Typical grown-ups being racist. Typical grown-ups. <laughs> he says, like, look, the reason I'm telling you the name of the asteroid is because grown-ups are going to want to know what the name is. Yeah. And Kids then this kind of gets along with... What we were saying last time in the last episode about how it was so easy to make friends as kids, but sometimes when you meet people as adults, you're like, they're perfectly nice, but I don't really want to be their friends. And he talks about how, like, you know, now that you're an adult, whenever you meet somebody, they just say things like, how old is he? What does he do for a living? How much money does his father make? And they never ask things like, what does his voice sound like? Does he collect butterflies? <laughs> if you tell me about someone and I say, what does his voice sound like? What do I expect you to tell oh, me? I tell you what people's voices sound oh, like. Yeah. We've established But that. what do you do? Like imitate it? <laughs> well, we know if I tell you that it sounds nasally, you guys get pissed off. Yeah. Well, I think I could answer that often. Okay. Tell us about Tristan. Tristan has a deep voice that's it's kind of intense. Like he, he's always pretty loud. But does he collect butterflies? See, that is a bad question because the answer is almost invariably no. 
<laughs> okay. Well, what games does he love? What was his first car? If this is some sort of 20 questions thing where you're trying to narrow it down to the person, I think that's a pretty bad question for like the first five or something. I don't think it is. I think it's more like, like if it's a guess who just trying to figure out this person's qualities. Yeah. Oh, you don't think it's a game of any kind? Nah, sorry. Shit. He says the reason I'm telling you what he came from is because you would care about that. But if I was talking to a kid, all they would, it would just be enough to say that, well, he existed and he was looking for a sheep. And if you look for a sheep, that's proof you exist. Yeah. Only real people could look for sheep. I don't know. I was looking through this and again, this is something you can just kind of mull over as we're going through this, but I kept thinking of myself as the narrator and Rachel as the little prince because I just felt like... (laughs) 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 Because I, I feel like their conversations were things like I just felt like it was like talking to Rachel. You're like, what the fuck? Answer my question. <laughs> Draw me a sheep. Draw me a sheep. <laughs> Make a podcast with me. Well, I just feel like the little prince says stuff that just like so matter of factly and he's just like, well, if somebody wants a sheep, that means that they're real. Hey, my mice say each other. Yeah. And then I'm just like, oh, you're so infuriating. Whoa. <laughs> but you're not wrong. So I can't say anything about it. Wow. Wait, is this why Rachel doesn't like the little prince? Because he's encroaching on her brand? Yeah. We're both alphas. Well, I feel like I can see how this story like created Rachel is the thing. Oh. And I'm ashamed of where I came from. Well, because this is like kind of Rachel's birthday episode episode part two. She's 30. She's 60 now. Now, by the time we're doing this episode, every 30. Oh, no, damn it. I had no idea that was how it worked. <laughs> we better not do an episode three. <laughs> what was I saying? I don't know. I, I feel like the things that make Rachel charming are also the things where I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> wow. But they're good things usually. <laughs> right? They're all good. And I hate good things. Let's keep going. Here's another shovel, Jackie. Just keep digging. I'm saying it's a cute thing. <laughs> all right. I feel like Rachel has a lot of childlike wonder. That's true. That's true. And I'm the old stick in the mud. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I guess I just have to be every other character. Well, we'll find out. The mm-hmm. narrator says it's been six years since the little prince and I separated. And I've been really sad. So I'm writing this book so that I don't forget about him. Mm-hmm. And if I forget about him, what if I turn into a regular old grown up? And he also explains like, yeah, so, you know, I drew all these pictures and I'm not really good at drawing, but I drew these things. So, you know, enjoy. <laughs> So anyway, we learn a few more things about the planet. The little prince is like, oh, do you know if sheep eat baobabs? Because I would love for them to do that. And the problem is if you get some like baobab seeds on your planet and you don't dig out the little seedlings constantly, eventually they'll take over the planet. Because the roots grow down, right? Yeah. And they just grow huge. I don't know if you've seen one before, but they can be enormous, like really, really, really big. I've never heard of baobabs. Do we need to tell our audience what baobabs are? So if you Google a baobab. B-A-O-B-A-B. They are from Africa and Australia. They have just truly enormous, like really, really chubby trunks that kind of go all the way up in one column and then there's a small canopy of greenery on top. They look crazy. And the roots are just very powerful. That just doesn't make sense because, I mean, the only purpose of the trunk is just to get water and nutrients up to the leaves and then the only purpose of the tree is just to make more of itself. It's just so much trunk and so little, like, reproductive ability. I imagine it's – so they probably – I would guess they they grow like that because they're from places without a lot of water, so they need, like, deep root systems. And then the trunks, I guess, they just store water in the trunks. Mm -hmm. They don't want a lot of greenery because they don't have a lot of water to supply the greenery Mm -hmm. with. And then also 
all the branches are at the top so that animals can't eat it. Like a giraffe. So I googled baobab to look at it, and one of the results um, was from foodnavigator.com, and it says, could 2020 be the year of the baobab? Ooh. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. I would have to say it was decidedly not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In fact, I don't think anybody could have thought about baobabs less in 2020. (laughs) What if the person who wrote that's just like obsessed with them and every year they write an article that's like, is it the year of the baobab yet? (laughs) I'm really hoping. So anyway, yeah, they're they're just big old trees. But on the little prince's tiny planet, they can easily take over the entire thing. So he has to spend a lot of his time and energy like ripping them up, basically. Yeah. Which every time I read that, I'm like, well, why did he leave the planet then? Because by the time he's back, it might be 100% baobab. The other thing about baobabs is that apparently they look just like roses when they're first starting to come up. And the little prince likes roses, so he has to be careful. He can't rip them up the second they come up because they might end up being a rose. It's probably good that he has these freaking baobabs because, I I mean, even as a little kid when I read this, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's so whimsical. I just was like, I would be so bored. Yeah, what does he do? I would be so bored. He just, I would pray for a baobab to show up on my planet every day. Just so I have something to do. <laughs> I mean, the little lesson is basically like, look, you know, some things you got to do them at the beginning, even if you don't want to, or they get worse and worse over time, which that is not a lesson that I've internalized. I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Love to put things off. <laughs> he draws a nice picture and he's like, look, the best picture in this whole book is the Baobabs. And the reason I spent so much time on it is because I need you to learn. Dig those guys up if you ever see them. So... We get taught about baobabs, and then we find out that the little prince really, really loves sunsets. He says, take me to go see a sunset. And the narrator's like, well, yeah, when the sun goes down, then we can watch a sunset. And he's like, wait a second, we have to wait? Yeah. And he's stricken. The little prince says, look, my planet's so small, you can just kind of walk around and keep watching the sunset or just sit there and it'll go over and over. And my record is I saw it 44 times once. And then he says, you know, when you're sad, you really love the sunset. And the narrator's like, were you sad the day you watched 44? And Little Prince says nothing. <laughs> I feel like he didn't say it with that tone. Yeah, well, were you sad the day you watched 44 of them? <laughs> 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 Sounds like a Theo thing to, to say in that tone. So on the fifth day of the crash, I guess, or... It's been a while. The little prince is like, well, is a sheep going to eat flowers? And the narrator says, yeah, it'll eat whatever. Little prince says, well, if the flower has thorns, can it still eat it? And the narrator says, yeah, it can eat a flower with thorns. He's busy. He's trying to work on his engine. Little prince keeps asking questions about flowers. He's about to die. (laughs) Little prince is like, well, why do they even have thorns? And the narrator gets angry and he's like, it's for spite. (laughs) Stop bothering me, kid. the little prince is so upset. Yeah. He's like, oh my gosh, spite. But then he decides he doesn't believe him. He's like, no, that can't be true. Flowers are weak. They don't have any any willpower to even have any spite. They think their weapons are their thorns and they think they're really terrible, but they're not. They're wrong. They're tricking themselves and it's so sad. He says, do you really think that? You really think it's spite? And the narrator's like, no, I just made it up. Like, I just said something to you. I'm busy. (laughs) The little prince is so upset. And he's like, wow, typical grown up. And the narrator is so ashamed when he says that. Which, come on, no, like, he's going to (laughs) die. He needs to leave the desert. So I feel like Theo would love this part, right? Theo, did you love the part where the little prince says, He's really mad and he's tossing his little head around and he says, I know a planet where there's a certain gentleman and he smelled a fl- or he's never smelled a flower. He's never looked at a star. He's never done anything in his life. And all day long, he says, I'm busy with matters of consequence, but he is not a man. He is a mushroom. Jackie would love that. Why do you think I love that? You just should. You should love it. It's incorrect not to. 
Wait, what do you, but why me? I don't know. Anybody. You're supposed to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> oh. Shit. Isn't it funny just for him to be so mad and to say, like, here's this little man and he's so ridiculous and it turns out he's not a man at all. He's a mushroom. <laughs> so the, the funniness is that the mushroom isn't actually doing this thing or it is actually doing this thing? No, it's that he was insulting the man by calling him a mushroom. Well, he is a mushroom, but he, the mushroom... What? thinks he's so that's what i took from it he's, he's not a mushroom, a mushroom. But he, no he's not a mushroom he's saying like if all you care about is business and numbers you're not a man at all you're just a mushroom <laughs> okay because here's mushroom, what i thought that's here's really, what i thought and i thought this was really valid that's not a normal insult so you were like i talked to this man once well guess what he wasn't a man he was literally a mushroom <laughs> why not there are talking flowers and shit no he's like <laughs> i think it might be a mushroom no it's not a mushroom it's a man Listen, I thought he was saying this mushroom thinks he's so important because he's like, I'm involved with matters of consequence and I don't have time for silly things. And he doesn't even know he's a mushroom. No, he's a man. He doesn't know he's a mushroom and he thinks he's so important, but he's just a mushroom. No, it lit- he's literally like, there's a red faced gentleman. You're thinking it's like a death cap mushroom? Yeah. I thought he no, was really a mushroom. He's saying it is a man. But because he's never done anything that actually matters with his life, he's basically a mushroom. Mm, it says it's a mushroom. <laughs> I prefer my interpretation. He's a mushroom who thinks he's a man. Okay, but if the little <laughs> prince is like, that mushroom is so pathetic, not even knowing it's a mushroom, then he's horrible. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying about the roses. Like, that's the whole point. He's saying roses think they're really dangerous, but they're not. But he's not saying, no, Jackie, I'm going to just tell you that was a funny <laughs> misconception on your part. <laughs> I don't think it's Jackie's fault when someone literally says it's not a man, it's a mushroom, and she thinks it's not a man, it's a mushroom. <laughs> Thank you, Theo. If you wanted to call someone a mushroom as an insult, you wouldn't say it that way. Yeah, you would have said, like, he's no better than a mushroom. Yeah, Or he might as well be a mushroom. Yeah, or, like, he does all the things mushrooms do. I'm just telling you, he's not a mushroom, he's a man. Okay, I believe you, but I think this is St. X's fault. Because if you're going to make a story where flowers can talk... Where did Jackie go? She just left the Zoom call. Do you think your cat did something? Oh, probably. That new cat of hers. Does he ever come back? I don't think he does, right? The mushroom? No, he's never in the story at all. Yeah. If he's in the story, it's one of the humans the little prince runs into when he's like exploring the galaxy. Maybe once Jackie comes back, maybe, maybe just tell her that you also think he's a mushroom. It's not a mushroom. It's a man. But come on. Just for Jackie. Just this once. She didn't ask me to say it. If she asks me, I'll consider it. Okay. Don't text her to ask me. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Little Prince is pissed. He's like, listen up. I've got a flower and it's so good. And you don't even care (laughs) that a sheep might just eat it in one bite? Because listen up. I love a flower and there's only one in the whole universe. So that when I look at the stars, I'm like... I've got a flower out there. And so everything's wonderful. But what if a sheep ate that flower? Then the whole sky would be dark. And you don't even think that matters. You don't care about that at all. Isn't that beautiful? And then he starts crying and crying and crying. And the narrator's like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Hold up. You didn't tell me anything about this flower. You can't be mad at me right now for not caring about this sheep thing. (laughs) So the guys, instead of thinking what Jackie says, the guy immediately like drops all his tools and he picks up the little prince and he's like, I'm so sorry, little guy. And he's says the flower you love is not in danger i'll draw you a muzzle for the sheep i'll draw you a railing to put around the flower how do you know that flower could be in danger 
You can't just say that to someone. He's saying I can fix it, I guess. Like, don't worry, nothing bad will happen because I'll draw something else. Yeah, but so the narrator is clearly thinking like, oh, this is a mental flower. I could just draw something to fix the flower, but he doesn't think it's really out there. Or maybe he gets it, but he thinks that, like Theo does, if the little prince takes a drawing to his planet, it becomes real. That's what I think happens. I miss that part. I mean, it's not in the book. You just think it. Jackie's the most grown up of us all. But he better not draw him anything bad. Oh my gosh. I bet Jackie is like counting the drawings too. (laughs) You think I'm the most grown up because I thought there was a mushroom man? And because you think the drawings can't become real. (laughs) I didn't say they couldn't. I just said he better never take a scary drawing back. Yeah, he better not. He better never take a scary drawing back. I like the rhythm of that. (laughs) He better never take a scary drawing back. (laughs) He better never take a scary (laughs) drawing (laughs) back. It's our next song. (laughs) What would the genre of music be for that, Theo? He better never take a scary drawing back. Uh, Just like really bad rapping, I think. (laughs) Just like the sort of rapping you would expect a podcaster to do as a joke. They call me Scary Theo. They call me Scary Jack. I'm going to give you drawing. You better not take it back. Oh! <laughs> I'm going to give you drawing. You better not take it back. <laughs> they call you Scary Theo and Scary Jack. Yeah, you could have just said they call us Scary Theo and Jack. You didn't have to say they call me Scary Theo. They call me Scary Jack. I don't know. I was trying to get the rhythm Maybe, right. Okay, Theo, let's try it again. Theo, you say the first line and Jackie says the other lines. They call me Scary Theo and Jack. Oh, sorry. They call us Scary. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, it's us. We're Scary Theo and Jack. I give you Scary Drawn, but you better not take it back. <laughs> I give you Scary Drawn. Why do you keep leaving out the articles? I don't know. You get a Scary Drawing? No, just don't take it back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're talking about taking this drawing back, can it? You can't take that drawing back to your scary planet. <laughs> Whoa, that's good. Now the planet's scary. <laughs> You're not giving me any time here. I mean, I didn't force you to say any of that. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> okay. You got to give her time, can't it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Go on. You got to give her time. Can't expect it too soon. Remember, this girl thinks that man is a mushroom. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Come on, Jackie, you got another one. I crashed my plane because it was too hard to man it. <clears throat> Don't take this drawing back. To that scary, scary planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop while I'm ahead if I'm ahead. At least you're not a mushroom. Mm. Mushroom, mushroom. Is this is that song about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> badger, 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 guy. badger, man, man. So, <laughs> the little prince, uh, man, all those raps really got in Monog. So the narrator's like, look, I learned some more stuff about this flower. The little prince, sometimes he had flowers on his planet, but they were like very simple and they would always only last for a day. And then one day there was another flower. And at first he thought maybe it was a baobab. So he kept an eye on it. Imagine if he ripped that little thing up. I know. Well, he'd probably be a lot happier, actually. So he's like, let me keep an eye on this thing. And then he gets this bud. And then all of a sudden it takes a while. The flower is getting ready. And then one day at sunrise, she opens up and he's like, what? She immediately is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm not even ready for people to see me. And the little prince says, oh, but you're so gorgeous. And she's like, don't you think so? The son and I were born at the exact (laughs) same time. Yeah, she's full of shit. She's always just saying random stuff. I know. She's (laughs) like, you know, perhaps you could think about what I want and give me some breakfast. 
So then he waters the flower. The narrator says that she begins to torment him with her vanity and that she was quite difficult to deal with. Vain Victoria. We find out that this flower was based on the author's wife, who he cheated on all the time. Classic. Very classic. And I think I told you in the first episode, she wrote an autobiography about her marriage to Saint-Exupéry that was called, like, The Tale of the Rose, which I hope told her side of the story, but she wrote it with one of her lovers that she had while she was married to him. So at least she, you know, paid him back a little bit. So one day the the rose is like admiring all her thorns and she's like, huh, let the tigers come with their claws. And the little prince tells her, well, there aren't any tigers on the planet anyway. And she's like, well, anyway, uh, I'm not afraid of tigers, but I don't like drafts. So please make a screen for me and... Also at night, put a glass globe around me because it's so cold on this planet. Where I come from, you see. And then she stops talking and the little prince is like, "Mm." she was about to bullshit. And she knew that I knew she was about to because she was just a seed when she got here. So she has no idea. I watched her grow up from a seed. Wow. Yeah. And then she goes, (laughs) I'm cold. Yeah. She (laughs) coughs pathetically and he's like, the screen <laughs> so he's like uh i was about to get it and then you started talking mm-hmm. and then she coughs a little more so that he feels bad wow. i thought it was cute <laughs> she he says i ought to have guessed all the affection that lay behind her poor little stratagems she wasn't good but she was not good because she just loved him so much right she couldn't speak her mind And she wanted to try to act brave, even though she wasn't brave. But he says, like, look, the problem is that I was listening to her words and I should have looked at her actions. And her actions were that she made my whole planet smell great. And she just, you know, she was so beautiful. And rather than feeling disgust at her for lying, my heart should have been filled with tenderness and pity when I heard her her little lies about her claws and everything. Yeah. Anyway, he says at the time he was too young to know how to love her. Which, <laughs> you feel bad, but mm-hmm. I'm also thinking he wrote this book while he was alive and married to his wife. So if he felt this way about her, couldn't he have just been like, I'm sorry that I've cheated on you so much, and what if we both stop cheating on each other and just be nice? Because that's hard. But <laughs> he felt that way, and he even put it in a children's book. But it took him a long time. He was writing these uh, things at night under the influence of lots of coffee and sleep deprivation and flying around. You get the sense that like he couldn't have a normal conversation. He needed to have it filtered through all of these weird things. Hmm. But doesn't that make you feel bad? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. I feel like that's um, relatable. I mean, how do you feel? Because when you read the book, you didn't know it was based on his wife, right? So how did you feel about it at the time? You could intuit that it was based on his wife? (laughs) I mean, it kind of seems like it's based on a real relationship, at least, or like an idea of a relationship. Mm -hmm. You get the sense, like, when he's talking about the flower, like, we're on page, sorry, adults love figures, we're on page 27 out of, like, 80, so we're almost halfway through the book, not quite. And it starts to seem like this is the point at which, like, this is going to be, like, the big deal of the story. Mm. I think the part where I started really liking it was um, when he talks about how 
there's a like a flower somewhere out there in space and I, I just look at the stars and like know that it's out there somewhere and that makes everything great and then i was like okay i'm starting to like this i knew you would like outer space stuff yeah this is similar to the story i picked for my birthday dostoevsky yeah someone is sad and then they like go to another planet <laughs> and they look out at the stars and they're like there's my planet yeah i missed that thing it was special you gotta get back wow. yeah it's it's honestly like the same thing just different right now theo has to pick a story with those elements for his 30th birthday. Maybe there's a Yu-Gi-Oh episode. Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's this pure thing that he finds and he doesn't know how to appreciate it and then he messes it up and that's sad. Like, that's exactly what happens in, in Dream of a Ridiculous Man. The Ridiculous Man is the little prince. True, but the Ridiculous Man ruins the place he goes to, not the place he came from. Well, it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but it does have a lot of similarities, don't you think? Wow. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do planet travel you know what i'm like talking about this book and trying to get into the spirit but in my head the whole time i'm just thinking they call me scary theo they call me scary jack you better not take a scary drawing back you better maybe we to, to fit the rhythm you better not take a scary scary drawing back you better not take a scary that scary changes drawing. it they call me scary theo they call me scary jack you better not take a scary scary drawing back. yeah that's perfect <laughs> that's not the same either yes it is they call me scary theo they call me scary jack you better not take a scary scary drawing back scary drawing theo Well, the great thing about everything being scary is you can just keep adding scary. We're taking scaries out. (laughs) Scary, 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 scary. That's the hook. They call me scary, scary. They call me scary, scary. You better not take a scary, 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 scary. (laughs) Typical rap you'd expect from a podcast. (laughs) See, where I shine is with rhymes. It's not with rhythm. Oh, right. You are a poet. I forgot. You do know that scary rhymes with scary. You got that. Poems don't have anything to do with rhythm. I just, now I like, they call me scary, scary. They call me scary, scary. You better not take scary, 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 scary. You went one too many. Yeah, that was too many. I can't even do that. All you were saying was scary. You could stop anywhere you wanted. And you went too far. Better not take a scary, 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 scary. So you're like counting on your fingers. Scary, 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 scary. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah. Well, it's like at a certain point, it's like I've gone too far. She just says oh, yeah. scary until she feels satisfied. <laughs> no, I have to, I have to like end on scare. I have to like end at a certain point, but I've gone too far and I'm like, oh, I have to do another revolution now. It's like walking around the planet to get to the sunset again. No, you end on scary or it won't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I had rhymed it with scare before. Yeah. Well, I guess you could do like, we find a scary, 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 scary thing there. Scary, 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 scary. <laughs> Hey, do you remember when I said something impressive? Let's remember that. I totally it went out of my mind. <laughs> it was something about like, you're talking about taking this thing back. You better can it. You can't take this scary thing to your scary planet. That's a smart thing you said. <laughs> Why Theo was like, oh. Well, it was good the first time. It was good. You guys need to change your names, your Zoom names to Scary Theo and Scary Jack. <laughs> Wait, we need to redo the introduction and say, I'm Scary Theo. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And you'll get it in an hour. Or no, I can say, hey, everyone, I'm Scary Theo and Scary Jack. <laughs> no, no, no. My name's Jacqueline. They call me Scary Theo and they call me Scary Jack. <laughs> but you can call me Jacqueline. I'm just going to take what Rachel just said and copy and paste that into the intro so everyone's really confused. And then you say, imagine Jackie's saying this. <laughs> then you'll get it. In about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We learn a little bit more about the little prince. Um, the little prince got away from his planet by like harnessing a flock of wild birds and also that he had 
two active volcanoes and one extinct volcano on his planet, and they were very tiny, so he would heat his breakfast up on the active ones, and he would always clean out all of them to, you know, keep them rumbling along and not erupting. We assume that the extinct volcano is used for something, right? No. Used for something. What are you hinting at, Jackie? Yeah, Jackie? I'm totally the narrator, and she's totally the little prince. Do you see what just happened? Like, well, it must be used for something, right? Used for something? Theo's the one who said that. (laughs) I don't know. He's only got three things on the whole planet. You've surely got to use them all, right? Oh, so you weren't implying anything. You were just saying there must be something. Some sort of innuendo. Yeah, Theo thought you were saying something sexual. No, not sexual. I think I was assuming it was a toilet. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I think if your plane is that small, you just poop out into space. Yeah, just stick your butt out there. Wiggle that thing. All right, so the little prince, he's fixing up the planet, and he says goodbye to his flower, and she doesn't respond, and he's like, goodbye, and then the flower coughs pathetically, and she says, I have been silly. I ask your forgiveness. Try to be happy. And he's like, oh, my gosh, she's not being rude. She's trying to be nice. And she says, of course, I love you. It's my fault. You haven't known the whole time. And then she's like, but you've also been foolish. So try to be happy. Don't even bother putting the globe on me. And he's like, but what about the wind? And she says, look, my cold's not that bad. I'm a flower. I'll be fine. What about the animals? And she's like, look, if I have to deal with a few caterpillars... That's fine. That's the only way to get to know a butterfly. So it'll be fine. Plus, I've got my thorns so I can deal with anything bigger. And she's like, you said you were going to leave, so go. (laughs) The narrator's like, yeah, she didn't want the little prince to see her crying. (laughs) How can a rose cry? She was such a proud flower. Yeah, pretty sad. You don't think a rose could cry? I mean, it would be pretty sad to see. So the little prince, he flies off with his birds, and he goes to a bunch of different planets with adults on them. And the first one has a king. I actually quite like the king. I think he's very funny. <laughs> yeah, he's good. You like him, Theo? He's pretty funny. Yeah. I was getting kind of a getting kind of like a phantom toll booth vibe from all these though. They were they were all very silly. Yeah, that's true. You are. Theo, talk about the king. Um, I don't remember that much about the king, but I do what I like <laughs> about him is it seems like he really wants to feel like he has power over something. So every time the little prince says, I'm going to do this, the king then says, I command you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he tries yeah. to jump in and say that. I was the one who made you do that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember. He also, he's like, if I tell my subjects to do something unreasonable and they don't do it, that's my fault for being a bad king, not their fault. So I'm only going to command people to do reasonable things. So whenever he commands Little Prince to do something the Little Prince doesn't want to do, he's like, uh, actually, I command you to do the opposite. Yeah. So that's yeah. why he waits. It's it's partially wanting to have power, and it's also partially like a good king would only command someone to do something they were already going to do anyway. <laughs> There's a certain amount of wisdom to that. But yeah, it's it's kind of just like, again, with my dog, if I'm like, sit, 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 and he doesn't sit, and then I'm like, keep standing there and then he does that and i'm like good job you did it you're so obedient yeah yeah that's you grover's the little prince you're this guy the king yeah she's got a lot of little princes in her life doesn't she she really does her house is i have a lot of little princes filled with little princes (laughs) it is pretty funny like the little prince yawns and the king tells him like hey you're not allowed to yawn in front of a king i forbid it and the little prince says like well i couldn't help it and he's like okay then i command you to yawn again he's like uh I can't do it anymore. You're freaking me out. And the king says, uh, okay, then I order you sometimes to yawn and sometimes not to yawn. <laughs> You're freaking me out, man. <laughs> it's pretty good. So finally, the little prince, 
The king wants him to stay. He tries to persuade him, but the little prince is like, look, I've got to go, and I'm going to go, so you can command me to go, which I'm going to do, or you cannot command me to go, but I'm still going to go. So he kind of waits for the king to think about it, and the king's finally like, uh, okay, uh, you're my ambassador now. Bye. <laughs> While the little ki- the little prince is flying away. I feel bad. I feel like everybody that the little prince comes into contact with just wants him to stay, and then he doesn't stay, and then they're all sad. I feel like he should stop visiting people, because he just makes everyone sad when he leaves. If they don't like their planets, they should go somewhere else. It's obviously pretty easy, as soon as the little prince wanted to go, he was able to go. But they can't go, Rachel. That, that's their planets. Like, that's the whole thing. Well, the thing. king says he owns everything. He's the king of the whole universe. Oh, yeah, he is. He says that. Oh, there's also a funny part where the king says, if you stay here, I'll make you the minister of justice. And the little prince is like, there's no one here. And he says, well, I think there's an old rat here. I hear it sometimes. <laughs> so we, you can judge the old rat and we'll condemn him to death. And then also we'll pardon him every time because he's the only guy who lives here. So you'll just keep condemning him to death and pardoning him over and over again. Dostoevsky, yet again. Yeah, yeah. Line him up in front of a firing squad and then say, all right, old rat, you're going to Siberia for six years. So Dostoevsky is the old rat of this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next planet he goes to, or asteroid, there's a conceited man who's like, wow. Of course you came to see me because I'm so great. You admire me. He tells the little prince, okay, clap your hands. The little prince does, and the guy keeps, like, saluting him back and forth. And the little prince is like, wow, I love coming here. This is way better than the king. So he just keeps clapping for five minutes while the guy keeps raising his hat and putting it back down. So the guy's like, don't you admire me? And the little prince is like, uh, yeah, sure, but why do you care about that? And then leaves. <laughs> And thinks, what a weird guy. So that's that. The next one, he sees an alcoholic. I bet there's more to that man than just that. Don't you think? Just being a conceited man. Yeah. Tell us, Theo. Do you feel attached to that character? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if somebody met me for five minutes. Like while you were introducing a piece that you'd written that other people were performing and you were like, please, please hold your applause. Yeah. You'd say, do you regard me as the handsomest, richest, and most intelligent man on the stage? (laughs) The richest man on the stage. Wow. That's what I should have said. When the conductor gives me the microphone, then I... You were the best dressed, for sure. (laughs) You know, here's the problem. You had your cell phone in your pocket. You're ruining the line of your pants. I know. know. He did say that. That's terrible. So did Steven. I hated myself for that. (laughs) Well, I didn't think any of those things. I was just was showing, I thought it was a nice picture, and Theo was like, here's two problems right off the bat. I mean, I didn't (laughs) notice the pant leg. I did notice the cell phone just because Theo had been talking about, like, the phone looked absurdly huge. Well, the pants were so slim cut. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but the phone looked like it's the size of your whole leg somehow. (laughs) It really, like, his full thigh was phone. It's like, oh, are you like Zeus carrying around a little baby on that leg? Or oh, yeah. you got a baby strapped to that thigh, or are you just happy to see me? Or do you me? just have a phone? <laughs> yeah, you just got a phone in your pocket. Are you, are you just happy to see me and have a rectangular penis? <laughs> That's all stuck to the side of your leg. <laughs> yeah. And huge. Yes. <laughs> well, the reason I noticed is because you were bragging about how slim cut it was. So, of course, I noticed, wait a second something marring the slimness of those trousers. <laughs> Do you think I could have convinced you that it was my muscles that Jackie says I don't have? Not at all. Oh, fuck. I've apologized for that so many times. <laughs> but then you also keep making jokes about it. Anyway, 
So they go to another asteroid and there's a tippler on it, or you could call him an alcoholic. And the little prince says, what are you doing? The guy says, I'm drinking. Little prince asks why. And he says, so that I may forget. Little prince asks, what are you trying to forget? He says, I want to forget that I'm ashamed. And the little prince asks, what are you ashamed of? The guy says, I'm ashamed of drinking. And then the little prince is like, what a freak and leaves. (laughs) What a freak. (laughs) (laughs) He just goes around calling people freaks. I think another way that chapter could have gone would have been, he says, I'm drinking. The little prince says, why? And he says, to forget. And then he says, what do you want to forget? And he goes, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That would have been so much better. Yeah. I can't remember. I think that actually would have been better. Thank you. (laughs) I can't believe he spent so many years on this book and he got rid of so many hundreds of pages and he didn't think of the thing you guys just thought of. Yeah. Jackie could write this book in like five seconds, it seems. Yeah. And I can turn it into a rap. (laughs) All right. Let's hear your scary rap. (laughs) Not doing it again. (laughs) What would it be? Do a rap about that chapter. They call me the tippler. I'm drinking to forget. <laughs> What's the rest? Just wait to hear the scariest thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> What's on that paper? I don't want to know. If you show me papers. Is there paper? <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> I don't know. All right. So they go to another planet and it's a businessman's planet. And he's counting all the stars. The little prince is like, what are you counting? And the guy's like, can you quit bothering me? I've only been bothered three times. 22 years ago, there was this goose and he kept making noise. And then 11 years ago, I had rheumatism because I never exercise. And then this time, well, yeah, this is the third time right now. The little prince keeps bugging him and the guy's like, okay, I'm counting the stars and the guy like doesn't even know the words. He's like, you know, the little glittery things, the gold stuff that lazy dudes like to look at. The prince is like, yeah, the stars, of course. And he says, well, I own all of them. And that's why I count them. And he's like, well, what do you what do you mean? The king, he's he owns them. And he's like, no, kings, they don't own the stars. They reign over the stars. I own them. Therefore, I'm rich. And the prince says, like, well, why do you want to be rich? And he says, so that if there are any more stars discovered, I can buy them. And the prince is like, hmm, that's circular reasoning like the drunk guy. So this is the part where I said to Stephen, this really sounds like NFTs. And he said, yeah, a lot of art community people have already pointed that out. Like they've already pointed out this this particular chapter in The Little This little passage that I'm about to read sounds like NFTs. Yeah. He says, well, how is it possible to own the stars? And the businessman says, well, to whom do they belong? The prince says, I don't know, to nobody. The businessman says, well, then they belong to me because I was the first person to think of it. And the prince says, is that all that you need? And the guy's like, yeah, if you find a diamond that doesn't belong to anyone, it's yours. If you get an idea that no one's had, you get a patent on it. So nobody thought of owning stars. Therefore, I do. The prince asks him, well, what do you do with it? And the guy says, I count them. I recount them. Whatever. It's a matter of consequence. And the prince says, if I had a silk scarf, I could put it on my neck and take it away with me. If I owned a flower, I could pick it and take it with me. You can't do that with the stars. And the guy says, sure, but I can put them in the bank. That means I write the number of the stars on my little paper and I put the little paper in a drawer and I lock it with a key. And the prince says, that's it. And he says, that's enough. That's an NFT for you. Little piece of paper you put in the drawer. Don't do anything with. And then it's yours. And you just know that you own it. Yeah. And then nobody else freaking cares. So I do have to say I would be a little annoyed if I was trying to count the stars and anyone bothered me for any reason. Because if you mess up. I would be annoyed if you were trying to count the stars. (laughs) You are such a little prince. Really? Yeah, I'd be annoyed. Like, what? why would you do that? There's too many. Just let her do it. Just let me do it. Just let her for her whole life? I mean, I could understand if we were trying to record at that time. We are. (laughs) Theo, look down. Audacity. There's little lines on it. Oh, my gosh. 
Well, just because you're counting something, it doesn't mean you have to count until you've counted them all. You just count until you're done counting. This guy counts till he's counted them all. <laughs> wow, Jackie's such a philosopher. She really is. It's like she's been reading The Little Prince or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the prince says, I own a flower and I water it every day and I have three volcanoes and I clean them out every week. And they are of use to me and I am of use to them. But you don't do anything for the stars. And the businessman is like, oh, he opens his <laughs> mouth and he has nothing to say. The little prince, again, is like, what a freak, and then leaves. <laughs> That's his catchphrase. What a freak. <laughs> yeah, what he really says is the grown-ups are certainly very odd. Yeah, he's always like, wow, they're they're a little bit strange. They're very extraordinary, aren't the grown-ups they? The grown-ups are very odd. But I, I like imagining him just saying, like, what a freak every single time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So then the little prince goes to another planet, and it's the smallest one of all. There's only enough space on it for a street lamp and a lamp lighter. And the prince is like, well, that's weird. There's no houses here, so why is there even a lamp lighter? But whatever. This guy, unlike everyone else, he does work that has some meaning because he lights the lamp, and then he he's brought a star to life. And then when he puts it out, he sends the star to sleep. So that's beautiful and since it's beautiful it's useful so he's like hello sir and salutes him and he asks him you know why are you putting your lamp out and then lighting it again and the guy's like those are the orders the prince says i don't understand that and the guy the lamplighter says there's nothing to understand orders are orders and he just keeps lighting it and turning it off because the planet is rotating so fast that it keeps being night and day so he has to keep turning it on and off as appropriate Mm. and the lamplighter says you know the planet basically the planet's rotating faster and faster now in the old days it rotated a lot slower so i had plenty of time to relax in between lighting the lamp and putting it out but now i'm doing it so quickly the planet turns every minute so i never get to relax and the prince is like, wow, that's hilarious. A day is only a minute long. And the lamplighter's like, are you kidding? That's not funny. It's been a whole month since we've been talking. <laughs> Which it doesn't feel like that conversation would take 30 minutes. <laughs> this chapter made me very tired. Yeah, seriously. The prince says, if you want to rest, your planet is so tiny, you could just slowly walk around the whole planet. You know, whenever you want to rest, just walk and the day will take as long as you want it to. And the lamplighter's like, well, the problem with that is the only thing I love to do is sleep. And the prince says, okay, I guess you're unlucky. And the lamplighter says, that's true. I'm very unlucky. Yeah, he can never sleep. Turns the lamp out again. Yeah, he can. Just has to keep doing this. And every time he turns it out, he says, good evening. And every time he turns it back on, or every time he turns it on, he says, good evening. And every time he turns it off, he says, good morning. Mm -hmm. The little prince thinks like, wow, every other person I met would scorn that man. But I don't think he's ridiculous at all. I have to say, I think he's the most ridiculous. I think they're all extremely ridiculous. I don't think he's as bad as some of the other ones, but yeah. I mean, at least he doesn't seem to have I feel like he's having the worst time. He has a character flaw, but he doesn't have a personality flaw. He seems like he's not having any fun. No, he's not, but uh, most of them aren't. Yeah, but at least the man who rules over everything gets to think he's ruling stuff. Yeah, maybe he's having a good time. I bet he has lots of personality flaws. We just don't get to see them because he's doing this thing. Yeah. I said he doesn't seem to have a personality flaw. Actually, maybe that's a good thing then. Like, maybe he's got some real skeletons in his closet and he doesn't have time to do anything evil. What if he would be a serial killer except that he's taken up with this lamp lighting thing? Finally, a happy ending. Mm -hmm. It's like Dexter, but instead of killing other serial killers, he's just turning a lamp on and off. We should really make more repetitive tasks for serial killers. Apart from killing. (laughs) Nice try, serial killers. The thing you like to repeat, you're not allowed to do that. Not even once. (laughs) Yeah. So 
So anyway, he goes to a sixth planet that it says is 10 times larger than the last one. And there's this old man there with a bunch of books. And the old man's like, oh my gosh, you're an explorer. Talk to me. I'm a geographer. And the little prince says, wow, that's great. The guy's like, yeah, I just know where everything is. So tell me, are there oceans on my planet or whatever? Like, tell me all the stuff. Tell me where everything is. On my own planet. Yeah. Well, the prince wants to know what's what's going on here. What's on your planet? You're a geographer. You must know everything. And the geographer says, I don't know anything about this planet. I just sit here and other people tell me stuff. I don't explore. Yeah. Explorers explore. I just geographize. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, the prince is like, uh, okay, well, let me tell you what's on my planet. And the geographer's like, what is it? And he says, I've got some volcanoes and I have a flower. And the geographer's like, oh, we don't really care about flowers. The prince says, well, why not? It's so beautiful. And the geographer says, it's ephemeral. And that means that, uh, you know, it can change. It can die. And, you know, volcanoes can't. So that's fine. So the prince is really worried about the flower being ephemeral. He's like, oh my gosh, she only has four thorns and I left her all alone. Yeah, he doesn't know. He's like, wait, what does ephemeral mean? And the guy says, well, not going to stick around forever. And he's like, wait, she yeah, is? what? <laughs> <laughs> so he tells the geographer, okay, well, where do you think I should go? The geographer says, you should go to Earth. It has a great reputation. So he's like, all right, I will. <laughs> and he doesn't think I should go back and take care of my flower? Says he steeled his resolve to keep going. I really am rooting for the prince and the flower. I want them to be a thing. So he finally goes to Earth, which is his seventh planet. This is the first part where the narrator is a little bit racist. He was doing okay so far, but now I've got a problem with him. We have beef. Uh He says, there are 111 kings, not forgetting to be sure the black ones, but he doesn't use the word black. He uses a different word. Not the N-word, but, you know, a less bad word that I shouldn't use because I'm not black. They used to say it a lot in the 60s, you know. Maybe it um, was more polite, but even so, like, don't be like, oh, there are 111 kings. Also, some of them are black, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, I think at the time, I noticed that, and I was like, at the time this was written, this was probably him being like, ooh, woke, and everybody was like, look, he's giving credit to the other kings, too. No, he's saying some people would have forgotten about them, but I didn't. But I don't forget about black people i don't know i feel like he should have left it out and then i would be happier for sure he should have yeah the narrator's like think about it like this earth is so big that we had almost half a million lamp lighters and think of how beautiful it would be to watch the lamps from space like watch them being lit and then put out like a beautiful choreographed dance and then he says hey you know what the North Pole lamplighter and the South Pole lamplighter, they would be able to relax all the time. They'd only have to do things twice a year. What a great gig. <laughs> I would like to be an Arctic lamplighter. Yeah. It's my dream job. But it's it's too cold. If it could be warm, that would be awesome. Mm. So the narrator's like, look, here's the problem with our planet is humans are only on a very small part of Earth. Like we really don't actually fill up as much as we think we do. So when the little prince first got here, there weren't any people around and he saw a little snake and talked to the snake and the snake's like, hey, dude, you're in Africa. You're in the desert. There aren't people there. The earth's really, really big. What are you doing here? The prince says, I've been having some flower trouble. And the snake's like, oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So he's talking to the snake and he's like, wow, you're such a weird animal. You're you're the size of a finger. And the snake says, well, I'm more powerful than the finger of a king. And the prince says, you didn't even have any feet. What are you talking about? The snake says, whoever I touch, I send back to the earth from whence he came. But you're innocent and true, and you come from a star. Hmm. 
I can help you. If you grow too homesick for your own planet, I could do something for you. And the prince is like, I get it. I get it. But like, quit riddling. Why do you always speak in riddles? And the snake says, well, I solve them all. And then they just sit there quietly. So the snake really just gets joy out of sending people back to the earth. Well, he's like, I can kill you if you want, but I'm not going to do it unless you want me to, because you seem like a nice guy. See, I think I have trouble understanding what in this book is literal and what's not, because when I take things literally, I'm wrong. And when I don't take them literally, I'm also wrong. (laughs) You need to summer of George yourself. Mm. Uh, Steven's been watching a lot of Seinfeld. That's why I've made like five Seinfeld references so far this episode. So the snake is saying, when I bite you, you go back to the earth, right? Like, you die. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying to the prince is, if I bite you, I can send you back to where you came from, meaning you'll die. Well, no. He says, when I bite other people, they go back to the earth they came from. But you're not from earth. You're from a star. So he's like, hmm, 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 hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, does the snake think that dying is literally the same as just, like, going back physically somewhere? <sighs> I guess we'll have to keep reading and find out what we think. Well, I already read it, and I don't know what I think. It seems like he thinks something metaphysical is happening, not just—I guess it's a combo. What is the snake? The snake is the the most interesting question. He's a snake. So the prince, he's he's walking around in the desert. He sees a flower that's not even that great, and he's like, hello, where are the men? And the flower says, eh— I think there's only six or seven or so. I saw them a few years ago, but who knows? They have no roots, so they're always blowing around. And then the prince and the flower are like, okay, bye. And that's that. So then he climbs a mountain and he's like, dang, this is so tall. I'll be able to see the whole planet. But the planet's way bigger than he thought, so he can't see very much. And he starts like yelling and an echo responds and... He says, like, what a weird place, so dry and pointy, and everyone here has no imagination. Anything you say to them, they just repeat it back. On my planet, the flower always spoke to me first. That's yes, cute. Yes, very cute. So then he he keeps walking, 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 and he finds a road, and he follows it, and finally he finds a rose garden. And he's looking at all these flowers, which look exactly like his rose, and he's like— With horror. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? What are you? And they say, we're roses. And he's really, really upset because his rose had said that it was the only one on the whole earth. And he's like, there are thousands of them right here in this one spot. Well, she was the only one on that earth. No, she said in the universe. She's the only one in the whole universe. Well, she didn't universe. know. You shouldn't have believed her. She didn't know. He did. He was young and foolish. How could she have known? She thought she was the only one, probably. I don't know. So he says, wow. If she saw these roses, she would be so annoyed. She would cough and cough and pretend she was dying so that I wouldn't be allowed to laugh at her. And I would have to pretend I was nursing her back to life because otherwise, if I didn't humble myself, she would actually die. (laughs) (laughs) Just to spite him. Yeah, basically. Which is crazy because when the narrator says flowers have spite, he's like, no, they don't. (laughs) And then he's like, she would kill herself just to prove me wrong. (laughs) So then he's like, well, damn it. I thought I I was super rich because I had this unique flower no one else had, but all I had was a common rose and two, like, shitty little volcanoes. That's not great. And then he lays down and cries and throws a fit. That part made me sad. Really? That made me so sad. Yeah. That he's like, I thought I was a prince, but I was a dang pauper. That kind of thing. Because he loved his little volcanoes and he loved his rose, and then it's just so sad that he doesn't even like them anymore. oh my gosh, they all suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad, right? It's pretty sad, yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's a dose of reality for the aristocracy. I'm not that sad about it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Theo is all about the common man. Yeah. I don't, I just, it just makes me sad. Let's continue. 
So here's the real sad part. If you are already sad, you're going to be so sad. Oh my gosh, this is where he dies. No. Spoilers. Mm, spoilers. Spoilers, <laughs> yeah. Rachel. Telling us it's going to be sad. No, okay. He's going to turn it around and say, you spoiled that. Yeah. <laughs> I spoiled it by saying it was a spoiler because now they know it happens. Okay, so the little prince, he hears a voice that's like, good morning. And he's like, uh, good morning. Looks around and the voice says, I'm over here. Take a look at me. And the prince says, wow, you're so pretty. And the voice says, I'm a fox. The prince is like, well, can you come play with me? I'm really sad. And the fox says, I can't play. I'm not tame, bro. <laughs> the prince says, oh, sorry, but what does that mean? And the fox explains that normally men on this planet, they have guns. They like to hunt things. They have chickens. I love chickens. And I'm not tame. We mean nothing to each other. But when you, someone is tame... That means that you've established ties to them. So like, for example, right now, you're just some little boy. You're like every other freaking little boy. I don't care about you. You don't care about me. I'm like every other fox. Who cares? But if I was tame, then we would need each other and I would be unique in the whole world. And so would you. The prince is like, ah, okay, I get it. I have a flower. The flower tamed me. It's all coming together. <laughs> and the fox is like, yeah, that's possible. All kinds of stuff happens on Earth. And the prince says, no, no, that's on another planet. The fox seems interested, but he learns there aren't any hunters, but there aren't any chickens. So whatever. Nothing is perfect, he says. This part is confusing. Is it? Why? Yeah, because the fox didn't have to say anything to the little prince. He could have just let him go. But then he's like, hey, hey. And then he talks to him. Tame me. He says, look, on this planet, I'm a little bit bored because all men are the same to me and all chickens are the same to me. So I'm bored. It sounds like he's reached nirvana. Yeah, maybe. He says, if you tame me, then everything will change. It'll be like the sun came out on my whole life, and I'll learn what your steps sound like, and I'll start listening for them. You'll be the Gurney Halleck to my yeah. Paul. <laughs> You'll be the Duncan Idaho to my Paul. You'll be the other middle-aged man to my Paul. I wanted to make that reference, but I couldn't think of any of the characters' names. So. Nice. Just Paul. It was Gurney, though. So he says, he's like, look, look at that wheat field. I don't even eat wheat. I just eat chickens. So when I look at that wheat, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's got that gluten-free yeah, lifestyle. But you have blonde hair. So if you tamed me, then whenever I saw this golden wheat, I would immediately think about you, and then I would love hearing the sound of the wind blowing in the wheat. Here's what's confusing to me. Why are you trying to manufacture this relationship? Like, you don't feel anything for him. But he wants to. But why do you want— He does. Why? Like, it just seems like tame is just a state of mind that the fox should be able to slip into if he's this aware of it. It seems like he's trying to make it happen. He could just be tame. He is. No, you have to be tame with someone else. But, like, in real life a fox has no idea that it's getting tamed if someone tames it right yeah theo yeah so that's what is so confusing <laughs> about this fox doing this because it just doesn't well he can also talk you know well i feel like what's confusing about it is like i walk up to someone on the street that i have no i don't care about at all and i'm just like hey will you please marry me and love me a lot and i'll love you a lot and i don't care about you right now but i could no. this is what it would be like if you had no friends at all and you were like, I know what friendship is and I don't have any friends, but I'm kind of thinking I would like to. And then you just pick a person and you're like, hey, what if we became friends? That would be pretty cool, right? That's different than tame. No, it's the same. Well, the fox tells him he's like the princess says I, the prince says, I don't have time to tame you, bro. I got to make some friends. I got to understand some stuff. 
And the fox says, hey, if you want a friend, you could tame me. Yeah. So he thinks taming a fox makes the fox your friend. I think that he thinks taming when you tame someone they become your friend i think it's kind of that's what it means to make someone a friend Mm -hmm. so the prince asks him well how would i tame you and the fox says look you start out by sitting a little bit away we kind of look at each other and that's it (laughs) then we need to start sitting closer and closer and it's better to do it at the same time every day because if you do then that means i know when you're going to come and i can start to get happy and excited and look for your like look forward to your arrival but if you just come randomly i'll never be able to like get ready for it you know what i mean the prince is like uh mm-hmm. yeah okay i guess that makes sense you need rights so you need things that you habitually do at the same time and the prince says okay so he does it And it really skips over that whole part. And then it says the little prince had to leave and the fox is like, oh, no, I'm going to cry. And the prince tells him, well, I didn't want to harm you, but you wanted to be tamed. And the fox is like, yeah. And the prince says, well, now you're going to cry. And he says, yeah, that's true. The prince tells him, well, then it wasn't good for you. And the fox says it was good because of the color of the wheat fields. So now go look at that garden of roses and you're going to understand everything and then come back. So the prince goes to the, the rose garden and he just... He's a huge dick to them. Everybody loves the little prince, but he doesn't love anyone. He's back. so rude. Don't you think? Like, this is uncalled for. He says, You are not like my rose at all. You are nothing. No one's tamed you, and you haven't tamed anyone. My fox friend was just like every other freaking fox, but now he's my friend, so he's unique. And it says the roses got embarrassed, and he says, you're beautiful but empty. No one would die for you. Like, my rose, people might think she looks just like you guys, but she's more important than all of you because I've done all this stuff for her, and I've listened to her when she's grumbled, and I've watered her, and I've killed most of her caterpillars because she belongs to me. So the other roses are all the people he was having affairs with? Yeah, maybe. Well, by that same token, they shouldn't care because he's not special to them. Right. But he's telling them, you guys, you're not special to anyone. Like, that's not nice. Even if you don't care about someone, it's not nice for them to tell you that you suck. Oh, yeah. That's true. But if someone came up to me and said that and I didn't know them, I would be like, all right, you suck too. Bye. Really? You would? I mean, no, probably not. (laughs) If someone said you suck and no one cares about you, you'd be like, whatever. If it was someone I never met before, I'd be like, yeah, I don't care about your opinion. You No, you would not. You would talk about it on the podcast. You'd be like, listen to this weird thing that happened. I'll never get over this. Well, but I wouldn't be hurt by it. No, <laughs> I would not be hurt by it. One time, my friend Matt Viola and I, we were both at Oberlin and we were walking around to the dining hall. We both very clearly heard someone yell, Matt Viola sucks. <laughs> and then we turned around <laughs> and there was no one there who we knew. We're like, what on earth? And we both look at each other. Wait, so there were people behind you and they, they all just all went- said Matt Viola sucks. <laughs> no, they, they like no one was looking at us or anything. They were just walking around. And we Matt and I looked no, at each other. No, that's what I love, because one of them did it and then they just like pretended not to. <laughs> but we didn't know any of them. And no none of them knew who he was. So it's just impossible. And we both looked at each other and we said, You heard that, right? <laughs> that someone just yelled Matt Viola sucks. And we're like, Yeah. To this day I have no idea who <laughs> thought that and who said that, or if it was just a ghost or what what i mean I, he didn't he wasn't that offended i think because i guess you do kind of have to know who thinks you suck before you get offended right because if it's no one yeah if no one thinks you suck it's just some ghost if it's someone just yelling it out of nowhere that's probably they don't think you suck probably they're just playing a joke yeah we thought it was going to be like one of his friends or something 
And then it was no one, literally that no is one. So funny. What if it was a friend, but he like had to go to class, so he quickly ducked into a building before he saw him. Like, ooh, I'm really, I need to get to class, but first I need to tell Matt Viola something. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been meaning to tell him this. <laughs> okay. All right. So he goes back to the fox and the fox says, here's the secret. It's only with your heart that you can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. And the prince is like, sweet. And he says, the time you've wasted for your rose is what makes it so important. And, you know, men have forgotten this, but you have to remember it. You become responsible forever for what you have tamed. So you're responsible for your rose. And the prince is like, okay, got it. But also now he's responsible to his fox. And then the fox, the poor fox. I know. But And the fox is like, oh, well. Yeah, well, screw me, I guess. Like, who cares about me? <laughs> Better to have loved and lost than never to have had your fox I at all. That. Well, that's definitely what the fox seems to think. Now he interacts with the only other person he meets except the narrator on Earth. And it's a railway switchman. And the guy's like, yeah, so what I do is I just send off all the trains. They go here, they go there. And the prince is like, well, what are what are all these people looking for? They're in such a hurry. And he's like, nobody knows. And then another train comes back and the prince is like, oh, my gosh, they're already coming back. And the switchman says they're not the same. They're, you know, it's a totally different train. And the prince asks, well, weren't they satisfied where they were? And the switchman says, well, no one's ever satisfied where they are. They're not pursuing anything. They're either asleep or if they're not asleep, they're yawning. And the little children are squishing their noses against the window, just looking out. The prince says, ah, only children know what they're looking for. They waste their time over a rag doll and it becomes very important to them. And if anyone takes it away, they cry. And the switchman says, they're lucky. And that's his interaction with that guy. Oh, wait, I was wrong. He interacts with another person. He sees a merchant. Yeah, I forgot about this because it's so weird and science fiction-y. So there's a merchant who tells him, I sell pills that quench thirst. If you swallow one a week, you'll never need to drink anything. And the prince asks him why he's selling it. And he says, it saves so much time. If you swallow one of these pills, you'll save 53 minutes a week. And the prince asks, well, what should I do with the time? And the guy says, you can do anything you want. And the prince says, well, if I had 53 extra minutes a week, I would use that time to walk at my leisure toward a spring of fresh water. I thought that was so dumb. You thought it was dumb? <laughs> yeah. I'd be editing this podcast. Are you like, yeah, like, I could do so much more composing if I had time. I think it's a sweet burn. <laughs> do you spend 53 minutes a week drinking water? I think Theo spends way more than that because he spends at least 50 minutes of each podcast recording drinking water. Right. Yeah, but the audience has no idea because I edited it out, so you didn't have to bring it up. Well, yes, yeah, so you're wasting even more time. <laughs> Theo has a very loud water bottle. Let's just say that. He really does. Audience doesn't think so. You drank out of it at the concert that I was at earlier this week. And I was like, what if I just take that thing? So the narrator (laughs) says, it's been eight days since I had my crash and I'm out of water. And he tells the little prince, I would love to walk at my leisure towards a spring of fresh water. The prince is like, well, here, let me tell you a story about the fox. And the narrator's like, look, I can't talk about that fox. I'm about to die. I'm about to die. And he's like, look, it's great to have had a friend, even if you're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the narrator says, this this kid, he, he doesn't know anything. He's never been hungry or thirsty. He survives off of sunshine. Aww. And the prince says, hey, I'm thirsty. Let's go look for a well together. He- He's a flower. Yeah. So they walk along together for hours and hours, and he tells the prince, wait, so you're also thirsty? And the prince is like, eh, water can be good for the heart. 
So I guess he doesn't need any sustenance. He just likes to have it. But he makes his breakfast in volcanoes. He warms it up. But I guess he doesn't have to have it. He just likes to. He just likes to warm it up. He doesn't he eat it. it it's the same breakfast. <laughs> Every day yeah. he warms it up and then he pours it into the extinct volcano. So the prince yeah. tells him the stars are beautiful because of a flower that cannot be seen. And the desert's beautiful because somewhere it hides a well. And the narrator's like, oh my gosh, he is so right. I used to live in a house as a boy and we thought there was buried treasure and no one ever found it, but it made the house so freaking special. Little Prince falls asleep and the narrator picks him up and keeps walking, looking for the well. And he thinks like, you know, what's so great about this little prince is how loyal he is to a flower. So, you know, like he's constantly shining even while he's asleep. And he thinks that he wants to protect this little prince. So he keeps walking and he finally finds the well. They're so excited and they think it's so strange that everything about the well, it's all set up. They have a pulley, a bucket, a rope. It's all ready for them to use it. So they pull some water out and they start drinking it. And the prince says, you know, people near you, they have 5,000 roses in one garden. and They still haven't found what they're looking for, but they could find it in just one single rose or a little bit of water and the narrator drinks the water and he thinks like dang this is so delicious and it's so pretty right here i should be happy why am i so sad and the prince says you know you promised me a muzzle for my sheep so it wouldn't eat the flower and you have to keep your promise so he kind of shows the little prince drawings he's done and the prince criticizes all his drawings the narrator says well look i'm not an artist i can only draw boa constrictors from the outside and the inside and the prince is like, eh, children get it, even if your picture is not very good. So he gives him the muzzle picture. And the prince says, tomorrow it will be my anniversary of coming to Earth. And I came down very close by. And the narrator says, oh, were you looking for the place you landed when I found you? And the prince is like, yes, and acts very strange and tells him, hey, uh, go back and work on your plane. I'm going to wait here and come back tomorrow night. And the narrator is still worried and he says that he thought about the, the fox and how if you let yourself be tamed, you're in danger of crying. So then he comes back the next day and he sees that the prince is having a conversation with someone he can't see. And he's saying to the person, yeah, look, this is a similar spot, but not exactly. It's the right time, but it's not the right place. So I'm going to go to the right place tonight and just wait for, for me there. And he says... Is your poison good enough that I'm not going to suffer very long? Okay, go away so I can jump off this wall I'm on. And the narrator is freaked out and he sees a little snake slithering away and he's worried. Yeah, he's like, are you sure it's not going to hurt for a long time? It'll be fast, right? Okay, cool. See you yeah, later. Yeah, bye. Which, okay, we know what he's up to. So the narrator says, uh, yeah, so um, I fixed my plane. And the prince says, great, so you can go home. And I'm also going to go home, but it's a lot harder to get home for me than for you. But I don't understand. He got to the planet so easily and he got to all these other planets. Why does he have to go this he route? He says his body's too heavy. He can't take it back with him. What if he could take it everywhere else? He needs space birds. There's no space birds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the problem is, he says the star, because it's been a year, the star is in exactly the same spot that it was when he got to Earth. So he'll be able to go back. Mm -hmm. And he tells the narrator, he says, if you love a flower on a star and you look up at the stars, then, you know, the whole night is beautiful because it's like there's a flower on every star. So for you, when you go back... Every star will be your friend because you can think that I live on all of them. You're not going to know exactly which one I'm on, so you're just going to learn to love right. all of them. 
they'll all be great. So he's trying to be cheerful for the narrator who's freaking out, obviously, because there's this little child that's planning to kill himself using snake poison. And he's like, please don't watch this happen tonight because to you, it's going to look like I'm dying, but I'm not. It'll just look like that. But is he? Well, that's the point we'll see. Know. And he tells the narrator, I'm just worried the snake would bite you after it bites me. The narrator tells him, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And the prince thinks to himself and is like, oh, yeah, they only have enough poison to bite one person. So, like, I guess you can come. So anyway, he explains like, yeah, so this is the part where he says my body's too heavy to carry and you shouldn't be sad because there's nothing sad about old shells and my body's just going to be an old shell that I've abandoned. Then he cries and the narrator cries and he's like, look, I, I just have to go back to my flower. So he's standing there and then he gets bitten by a snake and dies or we don't know but it says he doesn't cry out he falls as gently as a tree and just lands in the sand with no sound i like when trees fall down they tend to not be all that gentle about it i was reading about the the writer and when his brother died so i found this quote that someone said was what his brother said when he died but i couldn't find it again when i tried to find it so i don't remember exactly what it was but so his brother was 15 when he died and he died in Antoine's arms and he said something like what did he die from like sickness I don't remember it said he was always weak but I don't exactly remember what it was but he said like don't be sad don't worry it's just my body and then died Mm -hmm. the little prince people think that he's probably also partially based on his brother (laughs) oh here's something else the fox was based on one of his mistresses that makes sense one who helped him write this book and encouraged him and he wrote it partially at her house why did they both have help writing things from anyone let alone their mistresses and mate? it takes a village it takes a harem what do you say when you have a male mistress (laughs) mistror mister a master no there's no way mistress mistress (laughs) mistress no really what do you call that i've been saying it over and over a mistress mistress I think I was like offended that like I'm not accepting yeah. that. <laughs> Giving you a perfectly viable option. So Mr. Stress. He just had some woman come up and say like, you need to tame me. That's what he's saying? Well, she met him at a party and she didn't speak French and he didn't speak English. She met him and she had a friend who spoke French and she said, tell this guy I love him. Ooh. And that was the first thing she said. Damn. What if the friend was a troll and like didn't translate she things? She thinks you're hideous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a fox. She says she's a fox and she needs you to tame her. Oh, yeah. That would explain everything. I don't know, man. She's a freak. And so also when he when he left. They didn't speak the same language. Like they couldn't communicate. Yet she helped him write this book in French. She encouraged him and he would like show up at her house and she would say, oh, here's some food and drinks. You can just write in here. So they I mean, they didn't speak each other's language very well at all. He was really bad at English, but he was trying. He showed up at her house one day and said, I want to pay you back for everything you've done for me, but all I have is this. Take it. Okay, bye. And he just handed her a package. And in the package was like the completed manuscript for the little prince. Her family has it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a pretty good gift if she waits a while. And I think her son or her grandson or something is one of the only children to have an autographed copy of The Little Prince because he died so, like, he died before it came out. Mm-hmm. So he, like, got one of the first printed copies and wrote, like, to blah, blah, blah from your pal Antoine and gave it to him. Mm. Did he tell her, 
Hey, you're the fox, by the way. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to I would have to read some more like autobiographies, but that's that's what people think. Also, the line the fox says about essential, invisible, whatever. Apparently she said something like that. So that's like she suggested that line or whatever. Mm. Do we think he should have been with her instead of with the rose? I mean, I think the little prince should have been with the fox and not the rose. What about you? You seem to be very pro rose. I feel bad for everybody in this story. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, everybody's just like constantly getting left by the little prince. The snake? He got what he wanted. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I don't feel bad for the snake. The narrator says, It's been six years, and I haven't ever told anyone about what happened to me in the desert. And I'm worried because when I drew the muzzle for the little prince, there was no strap on the back, so he might not have been able to put it on his sheep. So now I'm worried the sheep ate the flower. And sometimes I think... There's no way. The little prince keeps an eye on the flower, puts the globe over her, doesn't let the sheep get there. So I'm happy, and I imagine, like, there's laughter in the stars. But then other times I think, well, all he would have to do is be absent-minded and forget once, and then he's screwed. The rose has been eaten. So he says, for anyone who cares about the little prince, what do you think? Has the sheep eaten the rose or has it not? And he says, like, only kids will get why this is so important. So he draws a little very simple line drawing of the desert where he landed and says, this is the the loveliest, saddest landscape in the whole world. This is where the little prince appeared and disappeared. So pay attention so that you can recognize it if you go to the African desert someday. And if you find it, just hang out for a little while. And if you see a little guy with golden hair who laughs and won't answer anything you ask him, You'll know it's the little prince, and so find me and let me know that he's come back. And that's the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And he says, I know that he isn't dead because the next day after this happened, I went back to where his body should have been and it was gone. So I know he went back to his planet. Yeah, there you go, Jackie. So he went back to his planet. But where'd his body go? That was the whole point. His body couldn't travel. Ever heard of vultures? It was kind of like oh, God, you know, in Star <laughs> Wars. You know in Star Wars where their bodies disappear if they yeah, become yeah, yeah. force ghosts? The little prince became a force ghost. Or like in the Dark Crystal if you're the good people instead of Skepsis. the bad people. Aww. Oh my God. The Dark Crystal freaked me the fuck out. And I... It's so That's weird that you love Jim Henson when you're always like, ugh, about his creations. So what I do we know. think? Should we fire it or not? <laughs> I'm not going to fire it. All right. Well, I am curious to know what you guys think. Let me know what you think. That's what I care about more. Let me give you a piece of my mind. So at first I was like, this is cute. It's a little like, uh, it's like too cute. Like they're talking about too Rachel-y for my taste. Too Rachel-y. Like they're talking about like the baobabs and blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's adorable, whatever. So yeah, it was cute. And then we got to the part with all the adults on the different planets and stuff. And I was like, not as into that part. It was clever. Too allegorical. Too allegorical. The part that I really started liking, like I said, was when he was talking about the rose and then like the fox and then like the stars and all the stuff that happens on Earth. So then I liked it. And I was reading it at work on my lunch break. And then when I got to the end, I was just like, oh, man, might cry. But you didn't? But I'm at work. Would you have? Probably. I think it's just so sad. Not because, like, he dies and goes back to his planet. I think it's just, um, so obviously, like, the idea is, like, this is a children's book, right? But it's a children's book, which is, like, couched in these very adult themes of, like, loss mm-hmm. and temporariness. Ephemerality. And I just feel like that's a, a powerful thing. So, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like if you've ever, if you've ever, like, lo- like lost a person to death or to anything, I feel like this is really going to hit home. So I feel like it's universal in that way. Except for a very tiny kid. Except for a very tiny kid. And that's kind of like the beauty of it, because a little kid will get a completely different thing out of it, just like what he was saying. Yeah. A little kid will be like, oh, it's literally a mushroom. Hey. Oh, that's good. It's good for me to be a little kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Jackie likes it. What did you think, Thea? 
I guess my thought was this does not seem like the story someone would write if they revised it like a thousand times. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of random stuff happens. You think that normally you'd take the weird stuff out? But it seems like it's all pretty meaningful. Well, it's like, why Why do they need the train conductor? Well, that one's important because he's saying, like, no one's ever satisfied where they are, right? He has to go and learn all of these different lessons. I guess I don't understand. Why did that need to be a new character to do that? What I don't understand is why all of the people on the different planets had to be. Like, See that? Like, why did we have to have the lamplighter, you know? Like, it was kind of clever, but... I liked the cleverness of all of those planet people. He's loving the cleverness of that thing. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. You can't just be clever and that's it. Like, there has to be something else to it, right? Yeah, to me, that seemed like a different book than all the things on Earth. Yeah, I agree. The Earth stuff, I thought was like, that's decent. The train conductor, I was like, get that shit out of here. It is too late in this book to just introduce another character to do something Mm. no i felt like by that point having had several of them when we got to the train conductor i was just like it started to like hurt worse you know Mm. it's getting sadder and the same thing keeps happening and the repetition somehow makes it more powerful Mm. don't you think no well i didn't know i think so (laughs) obviously i agree with the part where you say it's good and i disagree with parts where you say it's bad but are you agreeing with all my other stuff yeah i think i am most of the stuff I just wish it would cut back to the rose to see how it's doing every once in a while. Well, we can't know. We don't get to know. But I wanted to know. Because you're a freaking adult. That's what's compelling, right? What? You're never going to really know. I don't need to know what happens later with the sheep and everything. I just want to know what's going on with it while the little prince is doing his year on Earth. Oh, he's... Was the rose, like, dead the whole time (laughs) while he was just, like, pining for her? Yeah, I guess so. But he wasn't really pining for her. He kind of just, like, abandoned her and then was like, oh, she was special. That's what you said. She sucks. And then he's like, no, she doesn't suck. (laughs) She's good. (laughs) Typical man. I know. I did that thing where I got you to agree with me and then I was, like, wrong. (laughs) What did you think was the saddest part? The saddest part for me? The fox. Because it wasn't tame? Or, like, later on once it was tame? Yeah. I think... The saddest part was when he left the rose. And she was like, cough, cough. Just get out like, of here. Well, fine. Go away then. Yeah. It is pretty sad. Is that what you said to Joshua when he went to Singapore? No. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to Singapore. And you're like, hmm. no. <laughs> I'm as old as the sun. <laughs> What if he said that when he's like, I'm thinking of taking a job in Singapore. I was born at the same time as the sun. Lions come at me. I got four thorns. Yeah. Who's got four thorns and isn't afraid of lions? This gal. This gal. Tigers. <laughs> I did my fingers as four thorns. It was a visual joke. Yeah, yeah that was pretty good. Um, Who has four fingers and isn't afraid <laughs> <laughs> Who has four fingers and is terrified of tigers? <laughs> this girl. <laughs> <laughs> Who has four fingers and often plays with tigers? This person. And then a tiger eats another. For the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let me amend that. Who has three <laughs> yeah. fingers and is now even more afraid of tigers? <laughs> um, no, I. What was I going to say? What were we talking about? Gosh, the saddest part was the snake. Because he wanted to bite the narrator, but he didn't have enough venom. Yeah. Well, it's just, that would be a hard job to have. Biting? Like, first you have to tell riddles, then you have to solve your riddles, then you have to kill people. You have to convince someone to let you kill them for some reason instead of just doing it. I would have loved it if the fox came up to the narrator and said, like, I want you to tame me from now on. From now on? He, well, it wouldn't be special. He's already been tamed by It's the like one. when your friends become friends with your other friends. Your ex-friends. 
And then you die and go back to your home planet. Yeah. yeah, it's just like that. Well, so Theo, what's your deal? You're thinking about firing it. Seems like Jackie's not going to. So you lose. You lose every time. Mm-hmm. I don't need to fire it. There's enough stuff that I really liked in it that I don't think I would fire it. But I do think I might consider... Revising it. Somehow making it two <laughs> different books. Like traveling to meet all the people, on the grown-ups on their planets. I feel like that should be a different thing, right? You think this 60-page book should be divided into two books? I mean, you know when they make the movie, it's going to be three. It's going to be a trilogy. Oh, yeah. Let's get Peter Jackson <laughs> to adapt this. Yeah, if you want a movie deal, you're going to have to... <laughs> Um, well, what would Antoine say that all the, the purpose of the parts were, right? You know, what did he intend, Rachel? He'd probably get pissed if you said, couldn't you have cut more? He'd probably be like, are you fucking kidding me? He wouldn't understand what I said, so we're good. He would say, quoi? <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> it's pretty obvious what lesson you're supposed to learn from the different bits. I don't know what lesson you're supposed to take overall, but it's pretty obvious from all the people he visits what you're supposed to get from that. So I'm guessing that he would say, I wanted you to learn what you learned. And I thought it was important that it be in there. <laughs> Theo would say, like, put back in the stuff about New York City. Now, that's kind of weird because you know how he says the thing about, like, here's how many kings there are, and there are even kings from Africa. And then he took out New York because he wanted it to feel more universal, and then he set the entire thing in in Africa. He's just assuming, like, well, no one's ever been there. I think it's because he's like, wow, Africa, it's like this magical land. Yeah, kids don't know anything about it. Not realizing some kids are African. Yeah, no one knows anything about it, so it's going to... That's the lesson I think that he needs to learn. Maybe I should write a little allegorical tale to teach him that lesson. (laughs) Yeah, like that he was saying, if if I set this in the middle of the Sahara where no one goes, yeah. then it'll feel universal because no one's ever been there. <laughs> no one gets it. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'm glad that you guys finally read it or listened to it. It's very short. I'm honestly shocked you haven't read it before. Well, don't be shocked because we uh, haven't read a lot of things. I feel like, Rachel, this means so much to you. I'm surprised you don't want to say more about why you like it I mean, it there's so not much to say. I don't know. It's something about how sparse it is. I just like. Mm-hmm. I like that there, he doesn't say that much. It's... The reason I picked it, and I think that's the problem, is I didn't pick it because it's the most meaningful thing to me there is. I picked it because it is a book that I really like and have liked my whole life, and it's very short. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we needed something that would be short enough to fit. If I had just picked something that was like the thing that I find like the most meaningful, I don't know what it would be, but... I don't necessarily think it would be this because for me, I think it's more like there are a bunch of things that had a big influence on me growing up. It's literally just this is it's very famous. It did matter to me. Mm. And it's quite short. Yeah, I guess I was just looking for more content. I gave you so much freaking (laughs) content in episode one. I was it was all content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about you. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's I don't know. I mean, there's being kind of a closed book here, Rachel. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Let's get at the heart of Rachel. There was a period where I was so into The Little Prince. Like, this isn't my peak interest in The Little Prince of my life. And I imagine when I have kids and read it to them, I'll probably, like, be more into it again. It's not like I don't like it. I still like it. I just am not—there was a period where I was, like, I think when I was a teenager. So I'd read it as a kid and was thinking, I like this story. What a weird story. And then as a teen, I was like, oh, wow, okay, it's sad. And there's, like, some deep stuff. And then I was so into it. Mm -hmm. You know how you are when you discover as a teen that things have other meanings? Yeah. 
like me with my birthday story. I'm not like reading that all the time now, but I was like, yeah, when I was a teenager, like this was, this was something. That's kind of how it is. I read this as a kid and then I read it as a teen and I was like, whoa. So maybe that can tell the audience things about me. I don't know if I have specific things to say, but the fact that this is what I was like, whoa, about maybe you can learn something. (laughs) I guess it kind of is hard to explain. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, it makes me, it makes me sad to think about it sometimes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have a... But the best things do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have a copy. I told you I have a copy that my aunt gave me when I was a teenager and she died now. So that's pretty sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that being the same aunt. Mm. Yeah. Did she like the story as well? Um, She liked it, but it's not like it was... It wasn't like a thing that we talked about i think she had read it and liked it but it's just it happened to be something i was into and my aunt and grandma for my birthday and christmas they would usually ask me for a book that i wanted and they would buy it for me and Mm -hmm. they would always like cut off the part of the cover that had the price on it (laughs) and they cut the whole thing off yeah so i can usually tell a book even if it didn't have an inscription in it i can tell oh they gave it to me because they would always like just snip it off (laughs) that's funny Yeah, I think that's the thing is like, because I was saying it's like about loss. And I feel like everybody just kind of can put onto it like whatever they've experienced. So maybe it's like kind of hard to just say like, the universal appeal of it, because it's not like that's what's universal is that it's not the same thing to everybody. I don't know, maybe that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I assume that's why he cut so much away. Because if you don't have a lot there, people can put more of their own stuff. It's like with kids, like with Twilight or writing fan fiction, if you have a kind of like a cardboard main character that doesn't have a lot of traits there's more that you can project onto it Mm -hmm. and see yourself in it more yeah no i thought it was very sad yeah it's weird yeah and it's pretty sad (laughs) i don't i think of it as sad and like i think some things are depressing sad and other things are just like beautiful sad so i don't think this is like depressing to me anyway no i think he leaves enough room at the end for kids to not be devastated it's not like old yeller or something Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so this is the better i mean for a kid at least like when i read it as a kid i wasn't super upset and there were plenty of things that i read and it would make me angry like charlotte's web i was pissed off (laughs) (laughs) all right audience that's the end of this if you need us to talk about it more i guess let us know and we'll see what else we can come up with thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed this We love you. Yeah, what's beautiful is invisible to the eye, like the hosts of a podcast you're listening to. That's right. You can't see us, but we're gorgeous. Exactly. Visible to the ear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. You should check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash firethecanon. We have a lot of tears there. If you would like to email us and tell us if you think the dude was a man or a mushroom, you can reach us at firethecanonpodcast at gmail.com. You could also tweet at us or leave us an Instagram comment at fire the cannon pod. If you want to tell us if the sheep ate the rose. Oh, yeah. Let us know what you think about that. Do you think this guy died? Didn't die? You think vultures ate his body like Theo said? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about editing that Do you think a bunch of little (laughs) muadibs came out of the sand and just took him away? Uh, Let us know all of that. And uh, we've also got Facebook groups. You can find us at fire the cannon podcast. We have a discussion group, an announcement group, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I think that's that. I think that's that. Um, is there a little catchphrase we should say? Bonsoir. <laughs> Wait, how do you say goodbye? Bonsoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. How do you say, Bonsoir. let's see, how to say Au until next time in French. Au
Jusqu'à la prochaine fois. That's not great. Until next time. À la prochaine. Bye. 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 Sorry to all our French listeners.